about today is a old measuring cup full of random shark teeth. I know exactly what post you're talking about. I saw that today, too, and I wanted to buy it. Um, and the oddity that I'm feeling like today is ye old pair of silver, uh, sterling silver pickling tongs. Hell yeah. Where they'd keep them on tables all across the country just to pick up your little pickle. They don't make them like that anymore. They really don't, and I've been on the search for them, but I, they're really hard to come by. But that is how I'm feeling, because today is the feast of all feast. This is our Thanksgiving episode. It has nothing to do with the actual holiday of Thanksgiving. You're welcome for that. Um, And if you're somebody who today you are not around a giant table with a bunch of people that some call family, uh, we'll be your family for today. Always. Because, you know, chosen family is just as good. Our shows are always open for the weirdos. They really are. The strange, unusual oddities. And you can typically find a good few food crumbs around here. Oh, of course. You know, there's some cheese over on that shelf. I know how to microwave. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Um, So today I figured I would treat you to the same conversation that I would have, uh, that I will be having probably around the time that you're listening to this, which is about my fall garden. My plans for next year, a little bit, and uh, what is happening on the farm right now. And when I say farm, I really mean uh, 0.19 acre <laughs> of land. We have a very small homestead here. Uh, I think it's even smaller than a micro homestead would typically be called, but we make it work. And um, today I figured I'd follow up on a gift I was given that we had talked about. And if you are a black thumb haver, please don't leave us just yet. I was too just five years ago, and I still am when it comes to house plants. My house is a hospice for plants on the inside <laughs> of these hollowed uh, walls here. On the grounds, though, you will typically find delicious food and rows of flowers. But with climate change being the way it is, those who grow these skills will have more security, and I'm not a fear mongerer. But I found insane peace in having a small garden when COVID reared its ugly head. And it all started with podcasts like these and YouTubers sharing their stories. So I figured that maybe today I could help someone. I started gardening in 2018 in five gallon buckets on my driveway. Do you remember that? I do. (laughs) I grew corn in a giant plastic tote and I had cherry tomatoes galore. Now I have found a gardening method that I see the value in and I'm on a schedule I like with improvements every year because gardening is a hobby that never stops. I have learned to cook because of this and I'm able to grow flowers that are on the backgrounds of people's memories and on their tables at dinner time. This month alone, I was able to grow and arrange the flowers for one of my best friend's wedding. And yes, I'll post pictures of that to our Instagram. Um, and I mean, what an incredible gift to give an incredible skill to have. And it hasn't taken me my whole life to get here. I was not a born gardener. Um, I was able to just work really hard at it and in a very small amount of space. Um, growing things is easier than you think because plants want to grow. If you give them some space and the water, you will have more luck than you thought. And if you're still here, I thank you. You might be uh, learning something super interesting today because I think it's really interesting. So let's talk about the methods to my madness. So I loosely say I use a method called permaculture. Permaculture is a farming method that aims to muse off of Mother Nature's energy cycle. You want to keep your water and your energy on your land. Your animals work the land and also get to reap the reward with you. 
You keep the balance between pests and beneficial insects in line. The goal is to be more self-sufficient and sustainable. This is a really deep concept that spans hundreds of years with hundreds of books, and I don't want to lose you with pH balances and rotational grazing schedules. No one wants any of that. I do this on such a low scale, but it is a methodology I try to follow on our small piece of earth. If you're interested in a longer talk on permaculture, I'd be more than happy to do that in an episode where I go in more depth. But I know how people's eyes can glaze over when I talk about this stuff with them for too long if they're not into it, so I will keep it moving. But let me give you this funny story and kind of what I think encapsulates permaculture, um, and then we can move on. So there's this documentary called The Biggest Littlest Farm. And if you know nothing about permaculture, they explain it and show you how they're doing it within a reasonable time frame, and it's interesting enough. Basically, two people decide they want to support the earth and buy a crazy big piece of land. I mean, they call it the biggest little farm, but it's like a big piece of, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, I digress. Um, and it shows them over like six years, I think, like building this farm. And it's really cool. But if you know enough about permaculture, you're going to have a hard time watching it. It's kind of like um, watching someone play Portal after you've played Portal. Oh, God. And uh, it's kind of frustrating. So they have this one section that stuck with me and my spouse. Um, so this farm has an orchard on it, right? A bunch of trees. It actually was established before they moved in. And this orchard has an insane snail problem. Like, I've never seen this many snails in my life. They're all over the place. But with permaculture, you're not using pesticides. You know, you're not using anything. So they were having a really hard time with these snails. Uh, heavy. I mean, heavy. It's insane. And for a long time, they pay people to take the snails off. Like, they're, like, paying people to, like, harvest, like, five gallon buckets like for days i mean there's so many snails there's so many it's just this one part of the the country they're in just is a big snail population so for five years they're dealing with this before they finally realize they own a huge flock of ducks and if there's one thing that i know about ducks and maybe you don't it's that ducks eat snails right I've been screaming this at the TV (laughs) since year one of this movie. Um, You know, if you can imagine, just me, just screaming. Use your ducks. Use your, you have ducks, baby, use your ducks. If these dumbasses don't put their ducks in there, I'm gonna scream. (laughs) I'm just relentlessly mocking these people because I can be a backseat driver like nobody's business. It's really, it's one of my worst traits for sure. And um, finally, after five years, these people look at each other and go, ducks eat snails? Oh my god. And they fix the problem. But by that time, it's been, it's been five years of me screaming. And you've also spent so much money. You've spent so much money the whole time. And the ducks were just there. And they were paying to feed the ducks. And like all of this. Yeah, it was a oh. whole... So anytime me and my spouse figure out like a really easy problem we just look at each other and go ducks eat snails (laughs) because it's just so like like duh you idiots like but i think that's a fun way to understand permaculture in just one sentence it's like oh well you have a problem and you have something on your land that fixes that problem we'll make them work together Mm -hmm. um you know ducks eat snails save your trees feed your ducks permaculture Hmm. bada bing bada boom so let's Well, first off, thanks for hanging out with me through that, like, small, tiny process. So, let's take a visual walk through my garden. 
If you could walk in the backyard with me, it's basically a giant rectangle that I have split into thirds long ways. The third on the right contains all of our homesteading efforts so far, leaving two thirds for the dogs to run and trust me, they need it. This third is also split into thirds as well. That wasn't on purpose, it's just kind of how it worked out. The top third is for the chickens. That's where their coop is, that's where their run is. The middle third is laid out like a maze, tall galvanized metal beds lining the pathways. And the last third is a wide open area in the back that we call the back 40. It's an in-ground garden surrounded with tall trellises. This year I grew squash on those trellises and I grew a bunch of onions and garlic and okra in the in-ground garden, which was my first year growing okra. It was interesting. So anyway, my front yard at this point is just a giant square with in-ground beds. The pathways basically make like an analog clock eight. So two beds in the middle and then beds surrounding the perimeter of the square. I hope that was a good visualization. You've seen the gardens, yeah, yeah, so, did, like. so does it make sense I what think I'm trying so. to say? Yeah. Okay, good. If I've lost you anywhere, don't worry. Like I said, 0.19 of an acre, I will find you. So at least you have an understanding of what I'm working with. All of this to tell you that the number one plan for fall right now is that the chickens are going to go on a vacation. We're going to take them from that top third and put them in the back 40. The reason for this is for them to fulfill a new role in our permaculture method. Scratching at the soil to aerate it, pooping everywhere to fertilize it, scratching that back in, and then eating overwintering pests that I'd rather not deal with come spring. And they'll clean up any old plant material for me as well. This benefits the chickens. They get to have a new space to run, which is good for their brain, and they get new ground to scratch, which is good for their tummies. I'm also asked a lot what we do for the chickens in winter, and my answer is basically nothing, but it's almost less than nothing, which sounds impossible, but we do less for them in the winter than the summer because chickens, especially the chickens we like, would rather be cold than hot. So we use a method called deep bedding, where you basically just keep throwing new bedding on top of old bedding, and this causes the old stuff to break down and throw some more heat into the coop. It also helps that I can then take all of that and use that in the garden come spring. So. Am I a chicken that I like the cold? I am to a chicken, yeah. I think yeah, I am a chicken. Um, we give them a heated water dish so it doesn't freeze, and that's about it. Since they'd rather be cold than hot, and all of our girls are breeds rated to go in the negatives without faltering, and if you own chickens or you want them, don't give them heaters in the winter. This causes them to be dependent on it, and if the power goes out, so does your heater, and then so do your chickens, basically. Also, that's how a lot of fires happen when you see like farm fires and stuff. It's typically because people using heaters. Um, and when it comes to chickens, they will be okay. That's interesting. We actually joke about that with the cats. Oh, uh, like yeah. my cats think that like w winter is summer and summer is winter because they've never known anything other oh, than yeah, a yeah. perfectly temperature right. apartment. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, it is interesting how that works out for our indoor animals. Um, our chickens are basically wearing two down blankets at any time. They have a short coat underneath very long feathers, so they will be fine and at night, they sleep wing to wing on their roosting bars, which is so cute. So cute. It's like a basically, um, like a really expensive down blanket cuddle puddle all the time. <laughs> um, and they, you know, it, it works for them. They like 
they they like their life in the winter this will be our third winter with our girls and we're grateful that with a little bit of luck and only a little preparation our flock is going to enjoy their winter vacation i'm excited for what that garden's gonna look like back there i think that i'm the back 40 uh to give a space it's 15 by 30 so it's a, a giant rectangle basically mm -hmm. And I think I'm going to do nothing but pumpkins back there next year. Hell yeah. Because so I love, yeah, I want a pumpkin patch. Yeah. And I want, and I have been for years collecting like really cool, like fairy tale looking pumpkins. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the year that I'm just about to go all out. Do it. So hopefully the chickens do a good job. If you like Serafina tangents, this is the episode for you. Just so you know, I'm all over the place. Um, so let's talk about the garden plans a little bit and what my hopes are for the end of this season and the next one. I know I promised you an update on the dahlias that were gifted to me and I plan on fulfilling that promise right now. The dahlias haven't had a frost yet so I can't pull them out of the garden quite yet. We are just basically in a waiting period. I can tell you right now that I'm gonna have my work cut out for me. The dahlias this year were gorgeous. The dahlia tuber that I ended up talking about in our first episode called Winds Ghosty ended up being my favorite dahlia this year. It's giant white and it has this insane nine inch across bloom. I will definitely post a picture of that on Instagram. It's the tallest dahlia I've ever seen. It's taller than me right now. I'm 6'1". I think it's currently like 6'5". It's insane and it's just so cool and it keeps throwing up flower after flower and I'm so glad to have it. I know that I got gifted a lot of stuff and a lot of it's cool but just that alone is going to be something that for years is going to be one of my favorite things in the garden. I'm so excited that that was gifted to me. So let's talk about the dahlias a little bit. They're the only plants that are coming out of the ground this year. Typically in permaculture, you want to cut plants off at their base, at the soil level, to let the roots decompose. But with dahlias, they have tubers underground. Think of it like a cluster of fingerling potatoes, basically. <laughs> did you just get hungry at fingerling potatoes? Of course I did. You said potatoes. I'm a hobbit. <laughs> That's fair. So every one of these potatoes, when connected to a piece of stem, produce a plant. They are really cousins to potatoes, and potatoes do flower as well. They're just much smaller, not as pretty. So every dahlia, it's a little different. Some will give you 10 fingerling potatoes. Some will give you two sweet potato size. Some will give you five regular size. It just, it can be anywhere across the board. And the size of the tuber doesn't matter to the size of the plant. It's basically just a, you get what you get and you, you be happy with it. So anything I get, I'm gonna be happy with for sure. So. The plan for the dahlias is to leave them to cure underground for two weeks after the first frost. Then uh, just to let them get a tougher skin, basically. Then I will dig them up and leave most of the dirt that doesn't fall off of them on for a while to keep them hydrated. And then I'll be putting them in a paper bag. Then later in the winter after the new year, when I have a little bit more time to myself and not the garden, I'll separate them then and have a true count of you know what we're looking at. And at that point, I put them in something called vermiculite, which is the name of a group of hydrated laminar minerals, which is just a lot of fancy talk for the cousin of mica. So it's like little flakes that are golden that keep the moisture at a right level for tubers and storage. Some use fine pine flake, and I might as well if I run out, but I do have a bunch of vermiculite right now, and that's how dahlias are typically shipped. 
Dahlias in our area typically go back in the ground in the middle of April. Some start those early under lights, but I probably won't this year. I let things run their courses as natural as possible. So that's kind of the whole update I have for you. They're not out of the ground yet, so I can't tell you how well they're gonna produce. Um, as I talked about, their exponential gift in the first episode, but for what I can see, it's looking pretty good. So that leads me to the seeds that I collected this year. I actually do have a bunch of seeds and I'm thinking about doing something fun with that for our viewers, so listen in for a while and we'll talk about that in a second. So the seeds I collected the most of this year were definitely zinnias. Zinnias are multi-petaled 60s flowers. So like, if you were to take like the really fun like flower power, flower and then stack it on itself a bunch of times that's how you get the zinnia like this is the best way i could describe them basically um and then i got a lot of larkspur which is this tall conical flower tower basically in the, like this spring that are like blues and purples they're really cool um i got a bunch of this rare cosmic wonder vine which is black eyed susan on a vine but in blushes and golds it's really cool i've never seen anything like it and this, that was new to baker creek last year and they were really hard to get a packet of and i was able to save a bunch of seeds from that probably just enough for next year <laughs> but after you know next year i'll have that many more you know in the year after that so i'm excited to have a stock I also saved a bunch of snapdragon seeds, which is one of my favorite spring flowers, long stemmed flowers, where if you push the flowers together, they look like dragons talking. Mm -hmm. That's how they got their name. They're actually the flowers from Alice in Wonderland. Oh yeah. Which I think is really fun. Um, and then moving away from flowers, every year I grow a bunch of beans and I grow a bunch of purple pole beans and I collect a bunch of dried beans to have for next year, or if I need them in a recipe over winter, I have them as well. But every year, man, I'm telling you, <laughs> I collect so many beans, it's insane. The other thing I collect a lot of is jalapenos. I trialed two jalapenos this year, one called El Jefe and one called Jedi. Uh, obviously Jedi, because I am who I am. Mm -hmm. um, and I like them both. So this fall I had a few mature ones that I collected probably thousands of seeds off of. They are hybrids, which means if I could plant these, like I could have different plants than the ones I grew this year, but I'm down to see what happens. So in seed collecting or in seed growing, in seed collecting there are three different types of seeds. There's hybrid, there's open pollinated, and there's heirloom. Heirloom's the easiest one to start with. Those are gonna be the seeds where you collect that seed, you put it in the ground, it's gonna be the same as its parent no matter what. It's uh, an heirloom doesn't get the name heirloom unless it's been passed through three generations. That's interesting. Isn't that so interesting? Um, and then they're open pollinated, which means it has gone through one generation and stayed the same, but if it gets pollinated by something else, you have a chance of it cross pollinating. Um, pretty heavily and then there are hybrids which means the seeds that you get are never going to be like the parent plant because the parent plant itself is one seed pollinized with another plant's pollen which is a lot crazy plant sex going on <laughs> plant seeds they don't know it's, what's happening it's just a lot so you have your heirlooms who are like the old grandpas that are young and or, that are nice and sustainable and then you've got your hybrids that are like the hot new kid at the club that you have no mm -hmm. idea what the hell is going on right 
So we'll see what happens with a jalapeno. I'm still gonna probably get a pepper plant. I'm still probably gonna get a jalapeno, but it might just not look exactly. So what were like. the differences between the two jalapenos? Like what made them different? Was sure. it like a different taste? Or? So El Jefe, which is the boss in Spanish, if you don't know that, mm -hmm. but uh, is huge. I mean, we're talking like probably an inch to an inch and a half in diameter and like a nice size, where Jedi was a lot thinner but longer. So I would use that in like a diced jalapeno okay. pretty easily. Um, and I, when I'm telling you that whole dehydrator full of, behind you is full of peppers. Like, I turned it on the other night when we were editing, and I, like, maced myself. <laughs> it was not a smart idea. Um, but I have a bunch. I had so much left over. I'm so excited. It will be nice to have just a bunch of peppers. I use them a lot over winter to throw in, like, casseroles or anything mm -hmm. where I can, like, um, like, chili and stuff like that. Like, where I can, like, rehydrate them that way. And I went through everything we had last year pretty early, so this year it was a, a goal to make sure I had... Enough. So much, yep. yeah. So, with the seeds that I have gathered, um, I have so many zinnia seeds, it's not even funny. And I thought what would be fun for our listeners was that if you're someone who listens in and likes to learn about this gardening stuff... Um, if you want to email us at oddityarcadia at gmail.com and uh, let me know if you're interested in having some zinnia seeds, I will email you back and get your address. I promise you I will not use your email for a bunch of spam or like sell it or whatever, <laughs> but I will put you on our email list so that way like you can stay in contact with us. It's not like we're ever going to send out a million emails. We're too lazy for all of that. True. Um, but I figured it'd be fun to have these zinnias that I had saved and grew this year all over the place. And they're such pretty flowers. I'll have a picture on Instagram if you want to see what they look like. Um, and I just think it would be fun to have like a little grow along for next season. So let's talk about the plants that are staying in the ground. The only ones that really matter at this point are the rosemary and sage. Uh, the sage has gorgeous purple flowers in the spring, uh, which the bees love. It's one of like the first flowers that comes up. So I always make sure to overwinter some of that. And the rosemary, I try my hardest to let it, uh, <laughs> overwinter. But like, if you go to Seattle or whatever, they have like giant rosemary bushes. Like it's like they're boxwoods, basically. It's crazy. Uh, for us, we don't have that. We don't have that no, kind of. they're usually just like wool plants. Yeah. Anytime I've seen them, it's never been like a. Uh, anything huge yeah. definitely not so this year is uh my second year so i got one to overwinter last winter so i'm hoping that maybe 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 we'll be okay fingers crossed fingers crossed for sure so let's go to the plants that are going in the ground which you heard me right you're like sarah it's winter what are you talking about nah baby this is the time this is the time to start really going crazy my kitchen table has looked like a right nightmare since uh september basically uh, here's the thing that no one tells you when you go into gardening is that there's a fine line between enjoying the season you are in and uh, planning for the next one. You basically have to be doing these two things at once, especially if you're purchasing a bigger amount for a non-capitalism timing garden. See, everyone thinks that spring is the only time to start things because it's the only time that you see stuff in store. Mm -hmm. But you see kids planting in the fall and having gorgeous blooms greet you in the earliest days of springs is my greatest magic trick. I'm pretty good at it. No bugs, no heat, just a bunch of work in the fall and a wondrous garden awaits you. So in early June, you're gonna find me buying plants and seeds and then receiving them in the fall to putting them in the ground around this time. So I have accumulated a bunch of stuff, starting with tulips. 
so many tulips this year. I put in like 500 tulips last year. I'm putting in more, so many more this year. Uh, and they're mostly black tulips. They are my favorite. They're not really black. They're like the darkest purple you can imagine. Um, and this spring, my spouse fell in love with them as well. It was like his favorite thing that I grew this whole year, I think. So I ordered a huge stock of them. And then anytime we go anywhere that has tulips on a good sale, I've also been buying them there. I actually found some pretty good deals at Home Depot, which I typically would never say that. Typically, I find really good deals at Menards. Mm. But I haven't gone to Menards this year. But Home Depot really, uh, really turned the party. The other big spender that I had this year was irises. So as we have discovered on this podcast, I am a hosier fan, first and foremost. Um, and he has a song called Jackie and Wilson. And my favorite lines are, Lord, it'd be great to find a place we could escape sometime. Me and my Isis growing black irises in the sunshine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so, of course, I ordered 20 different black irises uh, to have a little iris garden in the sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I ordered 20 more in different colors, too, just because I really like irises. Sure. And I got them from a wholesaler called Shriners, and it was a good deal. So I figured, why not? And then at the end of it, when I saw my total, I was like, I'm a crazy person. (laughs) Um, But for this next spring, I'm going for a half goth, half romantic garden. And if you haven't caught my vibe yet, that's me, basically. Goth cottagecore that can't really be pigeon-held to one thing or another. Um, But we really liked the dark flowers that we saw when we went around different places in spring last year so we're really gonna be stepping up our game for that plus my birthday is around that time so of course it's like for some reason it's just my favorite time of year i think that's how most people are like your birthdays are just always associated with good times well it's my favorite holiday personally of course my birthday oh shucks (laughs) Uh, yeah seraphina's birthday is uh caught him Um, The other thing I got a lot of, which I didn't think I'd ever like, was was a plant called Allium. Uh, They're purple fireworks, basically, and that's all I have to say about it. So just, you know, deal with that. It sounds like a superhero name. Allium? Yeah. Alley-oop is all I can think of. Um, No, we grew a bunch of these for the first time last year, and they were just really cool. They're just really funky. They kind of look like truffle trees. You're going to have to Google them. They're just really cool. And then daffodils was my last big flower purchase my first love in the garden they remind me of the rain boots that little kids wear in spring these like bright pops of yellow in Mm -hmm. the mud and they're just always so happy and i of course bought them for my wholesaler which they had an insane deal they had a bunch left over from last year that they grew and then all of those multiplied so then they dug them up and gave us all like an insane deal for them that's fun so i bought 40 daffodils even though last year i put like 100 daffodils which means now i probably have 300 daffodils and now i'm adding another four it's fine it'll be fine do i have the space no will i find it yes i will <laughs> all right so let's move into some edible stuff uh garlic which i'm very excited about i typically do grow garlic but in the past i've always grown store-bought garlic like i went to whole foods and bought some organic garlic and put it in the ground and that works it's not a problem you can do that whenever you want I, though, because I like garlic so much, decided to spend a chunk of change getting some specialty garlic that you're not going to find around here. And I actually just got this in last week. And when I tell you, I was not prepared. So I got something called, um, it's called Rojnok Red, which is purple. It's like purple garlic. It's like purple striped garlic, which is really pretty. 
and that's I really wanted to try it. It's kind of like spicier garlic, which I like. Wait, I know, I know. This saying... whole conversation is probably making you squirm. I'm oh no, very it's sorry. fine. I mean, I do like garlic, but I am also a vampire. Right. Confirmed. Um, when you say spicy, is it more of like a like a radish type spicy or um, like? Yeah, I guess you could say that. Like it has just like a little heat to it. Okay. Like it's not as like bitter. It's more heat based. I don't know how to explain it. Like a jalapeno. No, that's like way spicier. This isn't like spicy in your mouth. It's like black pepper. Okay. Like putting like a bunch of pepper yeah, yeah, on your, yeah, you know, okay. kind of scenario. Um, but then I got something that's called music. It's garlic music is what it's called. And this garlic is huge. We're talking three times the size of the purple one. Why is it called garlic music? I need... I, I don't know. It's just called music. I don't I don't know. Sure. It is spelled like music. It's not like Muzak or like some <laughs> old... It's just called music. Um, but it's huge. I mean, the palm of my hand is like one head of garlic. And we use a lot of garlic, so I'm excited. Like, bigger heads means less of me trying to fiddle with that stupid garlic paper. <laughs> so I'm really... I'm very excited about that. And then this year, I actually was able to get in contact with the community center downtown, the Civic Garden Center downtown, which I actually might do an episode about them. They're so cool. Downtown Cincinnati. Um, the greenest building in Cincinnati, actually. All solar power and water power. It's so cool. Such a cool place. But they were giving away uh, free fall garden starts. So... I picked up a tray of cabbages and a tray of lettuce, which I just thought was really cool. That is really cool. Um, I also am growing a bunch of kale. The birds love kale. We like kale. Uh, we like dino kale. It's actually called lacticino kale. Um, but it looks like dino skin, and it's really easy to clean off because sometimes kale is, like, all, like, curly. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how do you clean this? Well, with dino kale, they're, like, flat leaves, so they're beautiful, and they taste delicious. And then we're gonna grow a bunch of lettuce, actually called butter crunch lettuce. It's pretty popular, but it's really good stuff. Going back to the cabbages for a little bit, I not only did I pick up some, I also started some. That's called storage number four. I got these seeds from Johnny's, and they are there are certain seeds that are grown for storage, right? Like certain seeds that are cultivated to make sure that your crop stores for the longest it possibly can. So this cabbage called storage number four, I can grow 20 heads of it, put it away in storage, and then months later come back to it and give it to the birds or use it for us. That's awesome, because I know lettuce is one of those things that, like... Yeah. Well, this is cabbage. Well, yeah, cabbage is one of yeah. those things that just, like... Wilts. Yeah. It's nothing. But all you do is, like, you just peel away, like, the leaves that are gross, which is, like, only, like, the top two or three, mm -hmm. and then under there it's been bred to be completely fine. You have to keep it in, like, a colder room, of sure. course, but you don't have to refrigerate it. That's cool. Like, you, it just stores. So I, I grew a bunch of that to make sure that the birds had a good amount of cabbage. We are in zone 6B here, which means we have the potential to grow things over winter with a little bit of help. Uh, Cold-hardy annuals are what they're called in flowers, uh, which means I sow them in this season, and then they pop up in spring as well as these little itty-bitty babies like that are growing through winter. So, like, when everything else is dying, they're still, like, kicking and, and living, waiting to explode in spring, which I think is really cool. So, I uh, will be growing that Larkspur, Orlea, and Dara. Dara is basically, like, Queen Anne's Lace. Okay, yeah. Wild carrot, basically. 
uh, super pretty and it goes really well with like tulips and irises mm -hmm. and stuff. So I'm very excited for some spring bouquets. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that maybe like this year, maybe I'll sell some bouquets or maybe I'll just give them away. Who knows with me, I'm a wild card like that. When planting in the late fall, you have to be conscious about how it's gonna look in the early spring. If you're looking to sow in those early months, um, I try to be conscious of that now. Since the beginning of me growing a garden bigger than those five gallon buckets, I've used graph paper, a new piece for every season. And for the big summer garden, I actually use a poster board that I move post-it notes on, which That's is, fair. it's been really easy. So this is clearly a really hefty goal, but it is my favorite time of year in spring and planting. Buying those new seeds, seeds catalogs coming in every week. Permaculture is also a key player in this as well. It's time to think about how the sun moves and how water sits in your garden and how you keep water in the garden with what kind of mulches are you gonna use? You know, what kind of watering systems are you gonna use? It's This is the time to think about what served you the best and what you're gonna use in the future. Every new season, I try to add a couple inches of new compost or soil to the beds. As you can imagine, that's a hefty task as well. But I am lucky to live in horse country, so every fall I try to get as many truckloads as possible of horse manure to break down over the winter. We will be giving a pile to the chickens to till as well. Uh, it's funny, I never thought I would get giddy over free poop, but that's my life now. That's who I am. And actually, as we are recording this episode right now, my lovely spouse is working his little booty off, uh, trying to make a giant pile of horse poop in the back 40 for the girls, right? <laughs> he just told me that he was doing it. So, uh, you know, thank you to him for that. We really appreciate it. Shout out. A real homie. If you are still here, I appreciate you. If you don't garden and you're still here, I really appreciate you. I know that this has been <laughs> a lot of plant talk. Um, there's a lot to learn and I'm still learning how to describe things to those who have no base knowledge. After years of abuse as a kid, I tend to think that I am explaining things to people who think they're smarter than me and think I'm wasting their time. So if there's something that you want to know more about, I would love to tell you. I could go over what I'm planting in the spring if you like an in-depth look into that or if you want to know more about dahlias and their care or how to grow a basic garden. I know that odd October is over and the time for spooky things is past, but it's time for another Sarah tangent. <clears throat> you ready for this one, baby? A minute. Climate change is real. I don't know who needs to hear this. If you don't believe it after all this time, I don't know what to tell you. My genuine belief is that climate will change over time, sure, but we have thrown a cinder block on the gas pedal and there is like no stopping this shit. Um, and if you're not growing or if you're in a job that takes you inside a lot, I'm sure from your window view, most things seem normal, but it's not. Nar. 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 It's rough out here. We suffered from a huge drought this year. The director of my community garden, which yes, with all that I have going on, I have community garden beds as well. He sent out an email this morning about how we had to use more city water this year than any year before because of this drought. And it's been going on basically since July. This year, this year, this whole country was under a widespread drought. And where it wasn't drought, it was flooding to an insane degree. There are so many challenges facing our AG food industry, our ag. There are so many challenges facing our ag food industry and our food production agencies. Our first frost date in this area is typically October 15th. 
This year, we aren't scheduled to get a frost until November 15th. That's the first time it's ever been that late. I mean, I've been growing now for five years and I've never seen anything later than October 26th. Um, so for it being a month out is just insane. What's even weirder was on October 5th, we had a frost scare with temps being at 28 degrees. That's two weeks before we typically even see anything close. And at 28 degrees being the first cold night, I mean, we went from 50 degrees at night to a random 28 to back to 50s. Uh, in October, in the beginning of October, it's so weird. And we got lucky and didn't get hit with the cold temps, but half of the state did. So half of the state lost two year or two weeks of their own crops, which is scary. Mm -hmm. um, and then two days later after that, it was 80 degrees for three days. Like one, that's not good for the immune system. No. Um, and last year we had that weird slushy ice fall that combined together and created an ice shelf, which killed a lot of wild flora and perennials that typically don't see things weather like that. I couldn't walk in my own backyard for a week. I had to scoot on my butt all the way down to the chicken coop <laughs> and back, golf cleats were enough to get a grip. I'd really like to not go through that again. Oh, like yeah. that shit sucked. My car was trapped. I couldn't drive my car for days. It was insane. I drive a tiny car. I drive a Chevy Spark. Yeah. So in the winter time, uh, Kenji ain't going nowhere. No, no, no. Yeah, he's parked. Yeah, and I mean, luckily, like, we, me and my spouse both have vehicles that can handle winter, but, like, I don't want to. You know, I, not that again. Mm -hmm. That was insane. I mean, within five hours, the whole world was basically, like, that weird futuristic oh, yeah. SpongeBob episode. <laughs> Where everything's, like, chrome. <laughs> yeah, it was not fun. So if you have any interest growing a garden, please let me know, and I will do a whole show on the basics. We have really seen a huge environmental change in our backyard's ecosystems here. I've almost seen all of the wild birds in our area in our backyard, which is nothing that we had before. Was that something that I thought I'd brag about before I turned 30? No, but I am a geriatric and we all know this. I have seen more birds and insects and squirrels in our backyard in the last two years than some of our older neighbors have seen in years. Just some flowers in a pot can give a nice rest place for a bee to get a little snack on. I grow insanely tall marigolds and these bees take naps on them all summer. I know that sometimes I talk about it like it's a fairy tale and who can believe in it, but truly there are instances the universe leads me to have these sweet moments where everything is working in conjunction and you just get to watch bees be happy. And that's permaculture in a nutcase, you know? what? are the things you care about and how can you use your space to get there and if I can't convince you to do a little growing I understand it is not for everybody and I will never shame you for that but there definitely are ways to support those who do and we can definitely go into that when we're going into summer next year make an episode or two about some environmental stuff because I genuinely, if you can't tell after this entire podcast, really do care about our environment and if me, somebody who has chronic illnesses and mental challenges, can get into a space and make this space good for the environment and good for our bodies, anyone can do it and I truly believe that. So, I hope that this Thanksgiving is treating you a little kinder than before if you typically have bad times during this time i understand who doesn't have crazy family 
Um, I hope that this podcast has helped you feel maybe a little less alone and maybe it has sparked an interest. If it has, please remember to reach out to us uh, anywhere on socials that you can find us. And once again, if you would like some seeds, let me know. I really would like to send out some care packages to people just to see my seeds out in the world. I think it would be really fun. Anything you got? That's all I got. Also, don't forget that... um it's okay to fucking hate the seasons. Yeah. It's, it's so it's okay totally to hate the season. I hate it. I know that anytime I say, wow, I hate Christmas, people look at me like I am the fucking mm-hmm. devil. But I hate it. And it's okay to hate mm-hmm. it. It's okay It's okay to feel like that. Um, when we start getting into the Christmas season, I'll post pictures of my um, Halloween tree. Yeah. Uh, because I don't do Christmas anymore. I do extended Halloween. Yeah. So, hey, man. Yeah. Do what you gotta do. And some of us come out on the other side of that. I mm-hmm. used to hate holidays. Now I like holidays because I've completely transformed what holidays <laughs> are. You, Christmas to you is second Halloween. Thanksgiving to me is gratitude season because I just grew all this food and now we get to eat it. Yeah. And like, that's what I'm here for, baby. So yeah, the holidays aren't always easy. We hope maybe we've made it a little bit easier. And I hope that you are staying on Arcadia. <sighs>